But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Listen, especially like seniors, especially at this place in life, or maybe juniors, or maybe young adult, college-age students, you kind of get to this place in life where you feel, maybe you feel like you're not making progress in life. Like, and, and so in this series, in these couple of weeks, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about kind of that gap where you're... Um, where you are and then to where God's calling you. And, and it shows, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk biblically um, how to move forward even when we're unclear about where we're going. Seniors, are you kind of unclear about where you're going? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm still unclear about where I'm going sometimes. Let me ask you this tonight, though. Has anyone ever, like, asked you to do something and you really didn't want to do it? Right? Like, maybe, maybe it's at home. Maybe mom's like, you need to clean your room, right? I don't know if that's what your mom sounds like, but like she's probably been a smoker for 30 years if she sounds like that. You need to clean your room. Anyways, mom's like do it, asking you to do something that you really don't want to do. Um, so my mom, she had her definition of obedience, her asking me to do something and me doing it. This is her level of obedience. And, and her definition is this is if I, I had to do whatever she asked me, and I had to do it with a good attitude, right? And be with a smile on my face, with, in a good mood, right? But if I were to, to like, object and complain, like, Mom, I don't want to do this, oh. like, and, and, and if I did, even if I did, though, what was asked to me, and I, and I um, complained about it, or I was grumbling about it, and, and I objected to doing it. Even if I did what it was, I was still in massive trouble. I don't know if you guys are in the same boat that I was. And so I, I've, though I've learned a valuable lesson through that, and it's, uh, it's not enough for me to kind of simply do what was asked when it comes to my obedience. When it comes to being obedient, it's your heart is what's important. See, you can, you can do things. Someone can ask you to do something. You'd be like, oh, whatever, I can do this. Oh. But really, when, when, when we're obedient, it's our heart that's important. It's our response to that that's important. So, And like, how often do we do this with our parents or our, our teachers or our leaders or even our pastors or even God? Like, I, and I can assure you this, that God is much more interested in your heart than he is with your actions. So why do we do this? Why do we, why do we, um, how do we obey God with the right heart? So sometimes what he does, he asks us to do something and we argue with him, right? And like, oh God, I can't believe you asked me to do this. Like, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be uncomfortable. This is going to be awkward. Like, really, you want me to talk to that person? You want me to say hi? You want me to share God's love with that person? And we, we complain and we come at it with a, a bad attitude. So what, we, what do we usually end up doing? Nothing, right? A lot of times God will ask us to do something and it might be even a little bit difficult. And most times we don't even move on it. So tonight we're gonna look at a story in scripture about a, about a pretty crazy case of obedience. Um, if you got your Bible tonight, we're in Hebrews 11. And, and I wanna encourage you to do this. Um, when you get a, some time on your own, maybe put it in your notes to go home and to read Hebrews 11. Because Hebrews 11 is, is a chapter in the Bible. It's called, people call it the hall of faith. Because it goes through it and it just lists person after person after person in the Bible who was faithful to God. And it, and it just celebrates them and talks about the cool things that they were faithful about. And, um, and so I want to encourage you to go home and read that. 
Uh, but Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says this. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It says this. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Like, I don't know if you're in this room, but maybe, maybe if you're, um, you're familiar with the story of Noah, Noah and the ark, maybe you've been around church as a kid or maybe you've, maybe you've heard of this, uh, of Noah and the ark. If you haven't, we're gonna kind of break it down a little bit. Um, but I believe that we can learn a lot from this story about obedience. And so we're going to look in, in, the, in Genesis, and this is where this story takes place. Genesis 6, we're going to start in verse 11, and this is a crazy story um, about, about Noah, and basically he's building a big boat to save a lot of animals and his family. So it goes like this. Now God said the, said, saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all of this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. And then he starts to tell Noah how to build this boat. He says this, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Then he says, look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, onto the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of uh, small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. See, God gave Moa, Moa, well, that was weird. Uh, I need a Moa in my yard uh, later. But, but God gave Noah a, a strange assignment. But what he did was he provided him with these detailed instructions on how to do it. He's like, build a boat this long and this wide and this deep and these three levels and, and enough food and all this stuff for your family. And even like the window that was out uh, on, the, on the sides, he's like, and, and he was um, very distinct on how he wanted this boat built. And, but I don't know if you realize this, knowing the story of Noah, but at this time on the earth, it, there had never been rain, like let alone like a flood on the earth. So Noah, he, you got to imagine, he had every reason to be skeptical to God. He had every reason to be skeptical about this assignment. And God instructed him to build something, this massive ship, something that was unheard of, to protect him from something that had never happened before. Like, wouldn't you be a little bit like, like God, like, this is kind of weird. This is this, like, this doesn't make sense. A big boat, like what's, what's even rain? What's a flood? Like what's, what is this? What's happening? And you want me to do all this? 
And he wanted him to do something unheard of to protect him from something that's never happened. And then on top of all that, he's got to build this boat. And on top of all that, all the other people in his community, all the other people around him, they ridiculed him. They mocked him. They made fun of him. And they, they, as he was building this ark, some scholars believe that it took Noah between 50 and 75 years to build this ark. But could you imagine a huge chunk of your life and being dedicated to obeying God and a huge part of your life, you're being ridiculed and made fun of and picked on and being mocked. Here's the amazing thing about Noah, though, because here's what we would do. Like, oh, Lord, oh, God, you're, I, I have a week to, like, I have a week to prepare for church next week. And, like, people are laughing at me. They're making fun of me. And, like, I want to give up. But Noah was building this ark for, for 50 to 75 years, daily, weekly, often people coming by, Noah, this is stupid. What are you doing? You're an idiot. Why are you doing this stuff? What is an ark anyways? What's a flood? Like, why are you collecting all these animals? This is so dumb, Noah. And here's the amazing thing about Noah. He, he never objected. He, he didn't argue with God. In, in our lives, in my life, sometimes it, it takes a wrestling match with God and, and a long period of time before I finally surrender to obeying to him. But I want you to see this, and, and, and maybe this will kind of help this sink in for you tonight. I want us to look at James 4.17 and, and when it comes to obedience to God. James 4.17, it says this, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. I don't know if you've ever read the book of James, but man, the, all of James, it, like it hits deep. Like it, it's, it, it really comes at you. And, and so James, he's really just calling it out. He's like, remember, in your relationship with God, it is sin to know what to do and don't do it. Like I, that, that, that hits me hard. Like, because there's a lot of times, even in my life, where I'm like, God's asking me to do something. I don't know, God. I don't know. Like, or I delay it, or I push it off, or I don't want to do it. I want to ask you tonight, like, how many times has God asked you to reach out to a person? Maybe a person that, the kid that sits all by themselves at school, that nobody else talks to him. How many times has God nudged your heart to speak an encouraging word to to a friend or to that person? How many times have you fought the authority of God and disobeyed him? And I want you to know tonight that delayed obedience is disobedience. One small step that we can take tonight towards obeying God without objection is to not wait when he asks us to move. See, I believe that for a lot of us, we don't intentionally disobey God, but we procrastinate and we hesitate and we ignore the voice of the Spirit when he gives us instruction. So tonight, whenever God reveals something to your heart, whether it's a nudge to reach out to a friend or to be kind to someone in need or wherever he's leading you, I want to encourage you, don't pass that opportunity up. Like, this is God asking you for simple obedience. Like, as we just read in the story of Noah, when we obey God, 
he'll bring blessings on our lives. We'll see the benefits of it. See, Noah did what, what God asked of him in the midst of being made fun of and ridiculed. Building that boat that had never been built for a rainstorm or a flood that had never happened before. And because Noah's obedience, his life was spared, his family's life was spared. God even used him to save all the animals we could have done without the snakes, but whatever, mosquitoes. But I want to ask you tonight, though, even with your obedience, what could God do with your obedience? Even just your simple obedience, what could God do with just even the small, the smallest steps, the smallest things like, obviously, this school year is about over, but like even here, right here on a Wednesday night in this room here at Emerge Youth, like how many times has God spoken to your heart and nudged your heart to, to reach out to someone, to say hey to someone, to welcome somebody? How many times has God asked you to encourage a person or even say a simple hello? Tonight, I want you to know that small steps of faith are a really big deal. The smallest steps of faith are a really big deal. When it comes to faith and obedience, like I have a friend who, who would say it like this, um, and he's spoken here as a friend of mine. He, he um, pastors at an inner city church in Denver, Colorado. He's an awesome guy, and he used to say it like this. He would say, little by little, a little becomes a lot. And when we take those little steps of faith, when it's just a little step and a little step, and a little step, and eventually you look back and a little bit, those little steps of faith have become a lot, and they change a lot of things. And, and I get it. I get it. It makes sense. I get it. Like even one step, even one step, it may be little by little. It might even feel like it's a leap. But I want you to know that tonight that God is trustworthy, and he's faithful to his promises. Like if you're here tonight and you, you feel like God is calling you to do something way bigger than yourself, that's a good thing. You're on the right track. When he's asking you to take even the small step that it's intimidating and it's, it may be hard to do, you're on the right step. You're on the right track. You just got to take that step. And I want you to know this. You can put this in your notes. It's often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everybody wants. It's often the small steps that nobody sees, the small bits of faithfulness, those small moments of obedience to God that most people don't see that it result in the big things that everybody wants to have. Let me put it this way. In my life, just in my own personal life, and I'm not saying like I'm not anybody great or anybody fantastic. I'm just a regular person. But here's what I have done. In small moments of my life, I've, I've tried my best to be faithful to God, even in the small things. Like, like we, we um, were used to pastors at a church in Oklahoma, and we got treated bad and poorly and like by people and by whatever is a big old long story. But we continued to stay faithful, even when we wanted to quit, even when we wanted to give up. And because of our faithfulness, God opened doors for us, for us to step through and to see blessings in our lives. And we, Chris and I, have seen that over and over and over in our lives. So when we've had those moments of just small bits of faithfulness to God continually, over and over and over, we've seen God's blessings pour out on our lives. I, I've received a lot of things, and I've been blessed in many ways that I don't even deserve. And I can confidently say that I feel like the reason that my life is pretty blessed is because I, I've tried for years 
to take those small steps of obedience and to do the small things that, that no one sees that results in big things. And not only have I been blessed by it, my family's been blessed too. So last week, if you were here, Pastor Nick, he spoke about, uh, he spoke, he spoke about um, David. And you're familiar with the story with David and Goliath uh, and how he killed Goliath. And then eventually David became king. But before all that, before all of that took place, one day there's this prophet that showed up at David's house. And he spoke to David's dad, and and he told his dad, he's like, listen, one of your boys is going to be the next king of all of Israel. And so David's dad's excited, and he lines up all of his boys, and he's got his oldest one who's the biggest and the strongest, and then he just lines them up all the way down. And the the prophet goes down through all these guys, and he's like, no, he's not the one. No, he's not the one. And, And goes through all of these brothers, and none of them are supposed to be the next king. And I think it was, I, David had like seven brothers it to, and, and goes through all this. And so finally, they're like, he's like, he goes through all the brothers and he's like, I was told, God told me to come here and basically anoint the next king. And he's like, do you have another son? And he's like, well, there's David out in the field, like taking care of the sheep. He's like, bring him in. So he brings in David. And, and so finally, David's dad calls him in from the shepherd's fields, and the prophet declares, like, this guy's the one. He's the one. He, this guy's going to be the next king of all of Israel. Now, get this, and here, here's the, what I want you to catch out of this whole story. At that moment, David, he didn't go directly from the shepherd's fields to the palace. He went right back to the fields. And then from there, he took the next steps, and he showed up at the, where, where, where they were fighting in the war, and he defeated Goliath. And then he took the next steps, and then he, he served the already current king. Even though he was anointed king by this prophet, he continued to serve the already king, Saul, for years before he ever became king. The key is this, David's faithfulness and his obedience he could have stood there and like, no, this guy anointed me king. I got to be king. I, I need it now. Like he told me I was going to be it. But David, he's like, you know what? I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to continue to be faithful no matter what. No matter what's going on, no matter what happens, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be obedient to God. He could have been, I deserve this. This prophet told me. David was faithful and he was obedient and he served. Think about your life and your relationship with God. Like, where, where do you need to be obedient? Where in your life do you need to be obedient to God? Where, where is he leading you? Where is he taking you? What's he saying to you? Like, no matter how, how big or how small, I, I want to encourage you tonight to obey immediately. Don't wait. When it comes time, I, I pray that you do exactly what he's asking without any objections.